I'm not sure if I've asked anyone this question. Um, so what got you thinking about small dick jokes? <laughs> Glad to be a first time recipient of that question. <laughs> This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen, and I cannot take credit for the episode you're about to hear. I know. It sounds dramatic. And it is not at all. <laughs> it's not dramatic. It's just me being honest with you, Unladies, because the whole reason this episode exists is because a while back, the algorithm gods blessed me with an essay titled America's Small Dick Joke Problem. I am Michaela Jamison. I'm a writer and I run the Substack newsletter Body Type. And that is all about what I call body culture. So it encompasses the habits, the beliefs, the values, the ways of thinking, the ways of talking about anything to do with bodies in our modern era. If there are four words guaranteed to get my undivided readerly attention, it is small dick joke problem. America? Absolutely not. Small dick joke problem? Tell me everything. So I feel like I saw a bunch of moments in popular culture and media right in a row over the past couple months where there was some kind of joke or insult about small dicks or small dick energy or a joke about small dicks. And I started thinking at this time when so many, what we used to think of as jokes about people's bodies, people's looks, people's body parts, weight, what have you, those don't fly anymore in the mainstream, in progressive society, in polite society, whatever you want to call it. We condemn those things much more than we used to, certainly. So why are small dick jokes still a thing? Why do you think they are still getting a pass in a lot of ways? I think that people believe that this, that jokes and insults about small dick, small dick energy are a kind of punching up because they're about men. They're often about powerful men. I wrote a piece about this in Body Type, and one of the examples I gave was this other podcast. The hosts were talking about Ben Shapiro. So they're talking about this guy that they don't like, that they think is an asshole. He was ranting about the Barbie movie, and they said he was giving small dick energy. And so when you have a very powerful, or at least popular, I should say, for Ben Shapiro, you know, he's like six million YouTube followers. He's public facing. He's a white guy in America in 2024. You kind of feel like, well, who cares if I make a joke about someone like that, about like some asshole, right? And women's bodies have long been more violated, more objectified. So it kind of feels like taste of our own medicine kind of thing or that punching up. And I get it. I get why people feel that way. I'm also wondering the extent to which the small dick of it all is a stand-in for masculinity 
or manhood that like that's what would really get to a misogynist like a Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson or something. Right, right. Like Ben Shapiro doesn't care that where he is lacking is morals and principles and kindness or what have you. But I bet he really cares that people think he might have a small dick. (sighs) Who can say? Like, I, I don't know what this man thinks about a great many things, right? But I see why people feel like it's this kind of closed loop or this like vacuum. Like we can throw these jokes and insults against certain people. And in that context, it's more allowable. But I just don't think that's right. You know, I keep thinking about like just like sort of the gross out humor of like, you know, early 2000s or whatever. In the piece I wrote, I talked about Family Guy. Like I remember the hot dog down a hallway joke about vaginas, right? So tell me, is there any tread left on the tires at all? Or at this point, would it be like throwing a hot dog down a hallway? So if we had a movie trailer like we did in this movie trailer for anyone but you, where Sidney Sweeney makes a small dick joke against Glenn Powell's character. It's a pretty long flight. Do you want anything from the front of the boat? I'm all good on creatine and small dick insecurity. Nothing small about me. If we had a movie trailer today where someone was doing the hot dog down a hallway joke, I mean, it would be explosive. It would be think pieces condemning it. It would be a whole conversation about why that's so bad, about why it's so wrong. It's not true. People don't understand how vaginas work. Like, that makes sense that that would be the reaction. It's not that for small dick jokes because we don't see them as what they are. Well, and your piece also got me reflecting on small dick jokes that I have myself have made. Like, it just reminds me of driving past a guy in, like, a ridiculous sports car or a giant truck with, like, truck nuts hanging off the back and being, you know what I mean? (laughs) And the go-to response is like, oh, well, someone's overcompensating. And it's like... Yeah, yeah. It gave me pause of, like, wait, why? Yeah. Even if I'm just driving by myself thinking that, why is that just rooted in there? (laughs) Maybe there is a kind of signaling there of... I don't like that kind of masculinity, right? I don't like that toxic masculinity, like the the truck nuts of it all or whatever. <laughs> and I think it it is in a way kind of calling out that the kind of men who care a lot about that and who themselves do that kind of signaling of like the big dick swinging makes me more of a man kind of thing, we find that foolish, right? We think it's nonsense. Like we're maybe my by making these jokes and insults, we're sort of circuitously kind of making fun of it. I wonder if that's like the mental gymnastics we're doing. And I can understand that again, right? Like I know why we're here. I think it's just a matter of once we're there, what are we allowing for? Like, what are we saying by saying the things we're saying? (laughs) Like you don't have to have a big dick to have a good sex life. I think we all know that in these sort of progressive circles that we're talking about. And without meaning to, I think we're gesturing at this idea that a good sex life necessitates like a porn penis, right? And there's so much writing about why that's not true. And yet we're kind of allowing for that when we talk this way about penises. Even in just how 
we look at men's bodies in Marvel movies or on TV or just in the mainstream, we're seeing a huge change in what men's bodies look like. There is an awesome um, essay called Everyone is Beautiful, But No One is Horny that came out a couple of years ago. And the author, uh, forgive me, I forget their name, but um, they were talking about we have these like, you know, eight pack men and like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine at 50 is like more shredded than he was when he was 30 playing Wolverine or whatever. And I'm seeing a lot of men talking about what that's doing to them. That's harmful in its own way. Just like the images I grew up with of thigh gaps and skinniness and all of the things that I grew up with is harmful. So we have just this, everything's just an extreme, like our bodies have just become these extreme images, you know, muscularity and big dicks or big boobs or filtered faces and fillers and all of those things. It's giving us different ways to think about our bodies, to be sure. And in many, in many ways, it's, it's harming us because we think that that's what's normal, especially if you're young and this is what you're seeing like your whole life from when you're a teenager. But I also think there's this like visage of masculinity that we see in the mainstream as well, where like men are huge, swole, muscular. If they're cool, we say they have big dick energy. So then it just becomes like, okay, what is a man? It's like a huge, swole guy with a big dick. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we want people to think that is what being a man is. I mean, I just got to say it. Small dick jokes are kind of an onion, <laughs> you know, because really once you start feeling the layers, mm-hmm. like they're... There are so many, so many different angles to it, so many different things implied. I'm a cisgender woman. I know I've made these jokes. I also know that, you know, a lot of cisgender women also make them. There's a satisfaction maybe in making this kind of joke. Mm-hmm. But it was also an important moment of me checking myself too, of like, is this really the kind of thing that I need to be putting out into the world? Right. And when you when you say satisfaction, I think that's an important part of this because when we talked earlier about like, why do we do this? What do we think we're doing it for when we use this kind of, when we say these kind of things? I, I think that a lot of the language that people will use against someone, we're, we're imagining like the worst kind of person. Like we're imagining, like I said, the Andrew Tates, the Ben Shapiro's, the whatever, or just like some shitty guy in your life. You know, or I wrote a piece once about um, when we were talking about guys' body image about this idea of like the gym bro, the guy that like lives in the gym and is always working on his muscles and whatever. And I've noticed too in the culture a lot of just kind of making fun of that kind of guy, you know, suggesting that he's foolish or he's an idiot or he has, he definitely has an eating disorder or what have you. And not offering the same kind of discussion about what if a guy like that has body image problems or an eating disorder or whatever, not offering the same kind of sympathy that we would to a woman, a trans person, anyone who isn't a cis guy. And I think we do that because we imagine like the worst kind of character, the worst like gym bro guy that like swaggers around the gym and acts like an asshole and creeps on women in the gym or just like has a, you know, again, that like fuck boy attitude or whatever we want to call it. And so I get it. I get that there's a satisfaction in bringing someone like that down a peg a little bit if he has behaved badly. The problem is I think when we just kind of throw around small dick energy, big dick energy, whatever, when we're not talking about any specific person's like bad behavior, we're just talking about it as like a descriptor of a type. 
that opens the door to just that being insulting for anyone, anywhere. Like in the podcast where the two hosts were talking about Ben Shapiro's Mock Dick Energy, the one host was, wasn't even talking about Ben Shapiro at first. She was talking about how something was disappointing, just like it would be if you climb into bed with a big man with a small dick. So we're not even insulting a particular guy. We're just saying like, wow, that sucks. That experience is terrible. And when we talk about men having, you know, what's wrong with men right now, right? Like the loneliness epidemic or like all of the issues that men have, I can't help but think that if men are in a certain corner of the internet or a certain corner of the culture, looking around and seeing people making fun of them for, you know, being obsessed with the gym or having an eating disorder, maybe any of any of their behaviors, if they're just being made fun of all the time, I think that that's dangerous. I think that that's terrible for our culture. I think that it drives people further away from an understanding of each other. And that's not what we want. If we want to like fix what's wrong with men, (laughs) if that's what we think we're doing, right? If we want to talk about why men might feel alienated or lonely or bad about themselves or you know, not in tune with their emotions or whatever. I'm not trying to be some kind of like all men apologist, but I'm talking, (laughs) I'm talking about like, I have close personal relationships with the men in my life and the men in my family. And I don't want to like hurt them with my words for no reason. That's it. Like period. I don't want to hurt anyone with my words for no reason. And I think most people listening to this probably don't either. So that's all this is. It's just, Hey, are we inadvertently opening the door to some kind of hurt that we haven't thought about a lot before. Like there's so many ways we can accidentally stumble into like harmful language here. Like we're not always going to get it right. And we shouldn't be screamed at if we get it wrong. I think it's just a matter of like being thoughtful as much as we can when we see opportunities for that. I I also have to ask kind of by the same token, is big dick energy implicated in this? You know, is it Does it get kind of a pass since it is much more complimentary, obviously, and used in a more kind of gender fluid way? Yeah, that's a great question because I've seen it, you know, people talk about women or trans people or, you know, other than cis men, people say, oh, big dick, Rihanna has big dick energy or whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that I don't want to like decry it for when it's used in a way that I think is a little bit more complimentary or it's kind of funny because we're using it with women or whatever. But I keep thinking about this idea of specificity. Like we use these things as shorthand. If we're saying someone has big dick energy, we're saying that they, they have like charisma, but they're not arrogant, you know, or they're, they just have this coolness about them, but it's, it's not toxic. It's not like fuck boy energy. It's the opposite of that, right? No matter their gender. But I, I always think about how could we be like more specific in what we're saying if we are looking for a different language for whatever it is we're trying to get at here. If we're trying to suggest that someone has this very like charismatic, not arrogant coolness about them, how else might we say that, right? There's got to be something else. There's got to be another way we can have this discussion. And the same goes for the small dick energy thing. Like, I don't know, let's call it shithead energy or something. Like we'll we'll find <laughs> another term. Like we can find other terms that don't allow for somebody somewhere to think, 
oh, you're talking about me, right? Because Ben Shapiro is not the one hearing this stuff, right? Like normal people are. And regardless of who's hearing it, it's just like unkind. I think when it comes to bodies, so many of us have experienced so much unkindness, no matter what our bodies are like, and we have so much hurt and pain about them. And it's almost just the kindergarten principle for me of like, we just have to be nicer about it. We have to like not say unkind things to each other because those are the things that harm us for the rest of our lives. I really believe that. At least it's the case for me. Unladies, at the beginning of the episode, I told y'all how I you know, kind of instantly fell in love with Michaela's essay, America's Small Dick Joke Problem. And in case it's not clear enough, here's more proof. I not only read the whole thing, I even read the comments. I just needed the conversation to keep going. (laughs) Folks chimed in relating it to the whole, like, he can't get it up kind of performance-related insults. We could do a whole other episode just on racialized dick jokes. I mean, 1980s comedies, hello, they were practically built on anti-Asian racism in the form of small dick jokes for just one instance. But I wanted to talk to one of those commenters who chimed in, another writer named Robin Taylor, whose substack is that trans friend you didn't know you needed. Hi, my name is Robin Taylor. My pronouns are he, him. I announce my pronouns because I am a trans man and I want people to get those pronouns right. And a little over a year ago, I started uh, writing a regular newsletter. Uh, Mostly what I like to do is create a community that exists online for folks who are gender nonconforming, are transgender, are queer, but also for those people who are allies or people who are curious and maybe don't know anybody in their world who is transgender. So maybe I get to be a resource and maybe I get to be a connection point for you or for someone else you know. So I ran across you in Substack comments of all places, uh, and it was on Michaela Jamison's essay, America Has a Small Dick Joke Problem. Was that something that you had also observed? It is something that I have been in, uh, you know, those loosely gathered crowds. And someone is having this conversation, um, you know, so-and-so at work and and then insert small dick joke. Um, and, and specifically calling it out as a small dick joke. And here's me as the trans man standing on the edge of this cup. I was in the conversation. I was included in the crowd and suddenly my blood's running cold um, because there is a moment that will happen in that crowd. These are, these are people who've known me through my transition. I've worked with them for 25 years. Someone in that crowd is then going to realize they're going to clue in on that visceral reaction that I'm engaged in. And they're going to turn and look at me and say, Oh, Well, no, no one would ever say that about you, which is even worse. Now it's now it's it's taking this objectification of some other guy. It's turning it around immediately onto me in this, you know, soothing, petting kind of way of like, oh, you know, we would never say that about you because we know about you. Right. I mean, that's it digs down really, really deep into this core of who we are as trans people that we're constantly being objectified for our bodies. People are 
They're thinking about our bodies. They're looking at our bodies and they're doing this to each other. But when we happen to be in that mix and those small dick jokes come out, boy, that's, um, I've said before, like that, that really hits us in a tender spot. Yes. You're allowed to laugh at that part. Right. That's, but, but it really, and it should feel to the people in that crowd, like, oh, hey, you know what? We didn't just cross a line with the transgender guy who's standing here now feeling awkward. We crossed a line before, before he even heard the comment. Um, this, is, this is something that's really bigger. Yeah, because it's the kind of thing of like, so if, if this joke only works as long as only cisgender people are in the circle, then does that joke really work, you know? I think that's a really important question that people don't want to ask because it it suddenly becomes awkward because you're the person who this this joke fell out of your mouth and now you realize there are these social consequences of it. Um, I th- I think along with you know that that social responsibility for for those little things that we say, I think there is also this really big embedded culture of a gender binary that gets reinforced by these kinds of jokes. And so when, when I hear those, it's not, and, and this was part of the comment on Michaela's uh, original Substack article, which was an excellent article, that I am really concerned, not just for what it says to the person who's the butt of the joke, whether it's me or whether it's quote unquote men, um, which, you know, that's another term that gets, oh, men, right? That gets thrown around. What does it say about that person's partner? What does it say about what their needs or desires should be if we're so obsessed about size, about length, about all of these factors that we're objectifying? And and I think a lot of people are coming up with these like the small dick energy, the big dick energy. You know, this is we're trying to talk about personality. We're trying to talk about these other things, intangibles perhaps, but we're rooting them in body shaming. And the body shaming cuts across to the other people who aren't the target of that in so many different ways. It even really takes the subset of the LGBTQ umbrella of asexual, aromantic folks, and it gives them no room. It gives them no space whatsoever. There's zero representation. And this implication that if you don't have the appropriate dick size, this makes you undesirable. This makes, you know, women should be turned off by this. It really feeds back into that, what, what is a woman's place? What should a woman really want? That's extremely uncomfortable from a feminist perspective for me. Talk to me a little bit more about how it is body shaming. As a transgender human being, any type of transgender human being, I think a lot of us are already objectified for the bodies that we have and for the ways in which we feel that we need to make our bodies come in alignment with ourselves. There's a ton of judgment around that. There's legislation that's trying to happen. Right? I mean, it's this is a very big topic for a lot of people. And it, it means that we don't get a whole lot of privacy. Those boundaries are super thin between the cis world and the trans world in ways that a cis person would not ask another cis person the same types of questions they would ask a trans person. Oftentimes when you come out as a trans person to somebody, there's like a little pause and then immediately, 
can I ask you a question? Right. And it's going to be an invasive question. It's going to be a personal question. It takes a lot of self-worth to be able to push back and say, you can ask me any question that you would also ask a cis person. That's not an easy thing to do. So when we, when we talk about, you know, some of these jokes and these, these ways that are, you know, really objectifying by the small dick joke, the big dick, any of those types of things, it sets us up then for this sort of a role reversal where ordinarily it's the outside world that's peering in at us and saying, Hey, what's going on with you? Hey, what's going on in there? What, you know, what's, what's in those pants of yours? And yet these jokes, they put that little seed in your brain and they make you think like, ooh, but, but now what do I think of myself? How am I supposed to address this? In the trans community, we talk a lot about dysphoria. And I think it's important to identify that dysphoria comes in a lot of different forms. But there are a couple of groups that you can sort of lump some dysphoric feelings into. There are, there are dysphoric feelings that we as trans people have about our own bodies. But there are also a large number of dysphoric feelings that come about from society and from social circumstances. And these are the a lot of the comparative qualities. Um, I am five foot four. And I'm pretty lucky to be five foot four. I've known a lot of guys who are, who are way shorter than I am. You can look at the statistics to your heart's content that, oh yeah, five foot four really isn't outside of the range of normal for male. But for me as a trans man, when I'm gathered in a group of a bunch of other men who are all six feet tall, ooh, that's dysphoric for me. It makes me feel like it's really calling out my otherness in comparison to these men that I'm standing next to. I don't know anything about them. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they came from. I don't know what their life story is and they don't know mine, but I'm already twisting inwardly having that conversation with myself of like, do I, do I straighten my spine a little? Do I stand on the curb over there to look three inches taller? Or do I, you know, how am I going to cope with this type of thing? So especially when you talk about genitalia, ooh, that's a, that's a twist and road you're sending yourself down. Well, and and that also leads me to kind of this bigger question of what does body shaming discourse, conversations like these, you know, kind of calling things out, unpacking them, what do they, what does that discourse miss, those conversations miss when it centers cis bodies? I think what the discourse misses is that we, as a, as a culture, like to talk about that normal range. Mm. In the, the small dick thing, we have, a, we have a conversation about, well, there's a range of what normal means. And that particular conversation is incredibly triggering to trans and, and I would assume also to intersex folks, because chances are good we don't fall in that range of normal. So you're saying like, oh yeah, bigger isn't better. There's a range of normal. Okay, but we're the outliers, right? So so even as you're trying to heal the nation and trying to heal one another through this conversation, now you're saying like, oh, but this is normal. And yet there's, someone is going to fall outside of that range of normal. And it's hard to be part of that conversation when you're already objectified because you're sort of asking to enter that space of objectification, and it would be really hard to voice that if I were in a group that was having this conversation about, well, there's a normal range of penis sizes. Is there a normal range for me? 
why don't we talk about diverse? Why, you know, why don't we come up with a better word that we could use that, that actually says, you know, it's not about being normal. It's about being human. And humans come in so many shapes and sizes that we fail to recognize because we don't want to see that. Unladies, questions, comments, concerns, stories to share, voice memo me, y'all. I want to hear what y'all think. I know y'all have some thoughts. Hello at unladylike.co is where you can send them or you can DM them to me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. Thank you so much to Michaela Jamison and Robin Taylor. You need to subscribe to Michaela's newsletter, Body Type, at bodytype.substack.com. And who would say no to that trans friend you didn't know you needed? Get Robin's newsletter at transfriend.substack.com. And I'll also link to those in this episode description. And guess what? Unladylike has a newsletter too. Unladylike.substack.com. Subscribe. It's free. And what is not free is what it takes to make Unladylike. I could not make this without Unladies Room patrons. It's $5 a month to join, and you even get a bunch of stuff. And more importantly, you help make Unladylike possible because Unladylike is an Unladylike media production, independently produced, edited, hosted, written by me, Kristen Conger. Our engineer is Amita Ganatra. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Until next week. What is the most unladylike thing about you? Well, speaking of exercise, I had a conversation with someone recently about men in the gym. And she was like, I just hate when men are like grunting in the gym. It drives me crazy. And I said, I'm a gym grunter. I am a power lifter. I like to throw heavy weights around. And sometimes you got to grunt and you got to sweat and you got to let out kind of a roar and I wear this weightlifting belt that is like the most unflattering thing I could possibly put on my body. I love that. I love that unladylike moment of being kind of a grunting gym bro. So that would that would be my thing. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I I too am a grunter. What is the most unladylike thing about you? Well, wow. I I am, I mean, there's a list. I have a list. I'm going to say there's a pretty big list. I, I am going to answer from the perspective of my wife, because I think it is the most appropriate way for me to answer that kind of a question. And it is, I, I am a dirty person. I, I have a huge garden out back. I write about it all the time. I dig potatoes barefoot at the end of the summer. My kids know how to do that. We dig our toes down into the soil and you're wearing shorts, you know, and it's, it's the dirt's going everywhere. Um, you know, I'm constantly getting greasy in the garage, fixing bicycles. Uh, I, you know, even when I cook, I mean, there's, there's flour, it's everywhere. And my resolution to this is to just wipe my hands pretty much like that. There's a pattern on my pants that you'll see as I wipe my hands or, you know, right down the, 
the shirt, you know. Oh, oh yeah, I'm dusting, I'm dusting the shirt off. I'm dusting, no, I'm not dusting, I'm wiping my hands on my shirt. And so inevitably then I come back in the house and there's this huge smear pattern everywhere. And my wife will sigh and roll her eyes and just say, please just go straight to the laundry room. Just don't even go upstairs to the bedroom. I don't want your dirt up. Your dirt has a home and the home is over there. <laughs> so that is probably my my most unladylike quality right there. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> 